You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's your Uncle Silk. The All-American, 35. And, and back from uh, from PTO, it's Dan. Fresh off the PTO. Dan, what it was this weekend, man? How was the off time? It was good. I feel refreshed, feel back at it, feel like a bullfighter, ready to go. Beautiful. Yeah. What would you get into over the weekend, Amar? Anything? Uh, just I spent time with with the fam and did a little Christmas shopping. So um, it was some some lazy time this weekend. So I didn't do too much. Uh, Clean the house up. Uh, so chill, yeah, football slowing down. Yeah, it's getting a little yeah. sad around the house, but football slowing down. Uh, I did some Christmas yeah. pictures and did a little shopping as well myself this weekend. Man, it, it's pretty straight. Not a whole lot going on. Probably finish up my Christmas shopping Thursday, Friday ish. We'll see what's up. Yeah, I got all mine done. I got all mine done this weekend. Amazon's been a lifesaver. Only left the house once to get one present and back back home, you know. There you yeah, go. I just think, you um, know, I got a few things I'm gonna get for the kids still like physically at the store, but only pe- person that somebody used to get from the store is, is the wife's. Everybody yeah. else is, I kind of just shop online and, and get it that way, bro. I can't be out here in these crazy lines. Nah. I went, we went to the mall the other day, and that shit was just, uh, like, unbelievably packed. Like, to the point where it's, like, almost uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, in, it's incredible to me how many people are at the mall and just waiting in lines for hours and hours and hours. And, you know, we have an Apple store here at the International Mall here in Tampa, and there's always a bunch of people there. But around Christmas time, it's incredible how many people are willing to wait in line, like, three, four hours. Uh, when I feel like everything that they have is available online and probably more options online. Literally. Too, so, so, so I don't get well, it. You get, every once in a while. You go ahead. You're getting to that point where, like, if you haven't ordered it, like, you may get caught in the mail. You know what I'm saying? It's starting to get towards that area. Yeah. So we got, what, nine days left? Yeah. yeah. That's why everything it's on Amazon, risky. I'm making sure that, hey, it says it's going to be delivered by, you know, X date. Hey, I almost made that mistake the other day. I was in between two things for my dad. And uh, one, I didn't see the, the little Amazon Prime thing when I selected it because it was like $10 cheaper than the other one. Then all of a sudden, it said it'll be delivered January 2nd. I'm like, no, mm. it won't. Amateur. <laughs> yes, amateur hour stuff, man. Yeah. I love fortune. I fortunate yeah. I well, thought that. Well, I accidentally tried to order something for my daughter and used my sister-in-law's credit card that was on file. So uh, um, I had to, yeah, I had to call her. I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, when well, you got the most, everybody using the same account. My wife be doing that too, man. Everybody on the no, same. And, and I, Amazon, I thought I deleted yeah. it, but I, because because well, she wa- she wanted to buy something for my daughter or whatnot, uh, like in like November. So she was like, "Yeah, just just get my card number," and you know, so I did it like that, and I forgot to delete it all. So I was just hurrying up trying to buy something, and it, I seen that at the last minute. I was like, "Damn!" So I had to cancel the order and all that. Man, already man. we got a big week. Wednesday is uh, National Signing Day. Yep. I got to shout out the live event. We're doing an um, early signing day party. Underground Public House, downtown Orlando. 
19 South Orange Avenue, Orlando, Florida. Pull up. Uh, we'll be hanging out from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Wednesday. Awesome. Oh, that's going to be a fun night. I'm going to do my best. Ooh. Do my best to be I there. Gotta work thir- um, got to work Thursday morning, man. Well, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, yeah I'm going to the one in St. Pete. So. I'm gonna, I'll, see, I'll see where where, where things lie. I'll, I'll let you know tomorrow, though. All right, for sure. No no pressure. Uh, we're going to be hanging out heavy. Um, shout out to everybody that's pulling up. You pulling up, please bring a toy. We're not charging any cover or anything like that, uh, but we're trying to help out needy kids and needy families for the holiday season, man. So if you have a toy or if you don't have a toy, if you got a little cash or you want a cash app or PayPal, anything to help, uh, even a dollar, whatever you can mm-hmm. afford, we're not judging. Uh, all help is, is welcome. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, speaking speaking of which, to kind of change the subject, just because I wasn't, uh, I was on PTO last week. I was up in uh, up in Washington D.C. But uh, the Thursday before that, we had the uh, the big lightning event, uh, and I know that you guys uh, weren't able to make it. But uh, thanks so much for everybody for coming out. I want to give a big shout out. Uh, there was uh, an opportunity for us to go on the uh, the Zamboni, which was really cool, and then we did a uh, a meet and greet, question and answer type deal. Uh, so I want to give a big shout out to the Tampa Bay Lightning for facilitating that event. Um, ben Salo. Uh, who's the one that, that did it with the Lightning, and then the president of the Gator Club here in Tampa, Allison Kerr. Uh, Kaylee G- uh, Glyer was there. There's a few other folks. But uh, probably about 100 people at that meet-and-greet question-and-answer session, so that was really cool. So so big shout-out to them. Thanks so much for the opportunity to do that. And uh, and next time, uh, next time, uh, hopefully you guys can make it up this time. Yeah, definitely, man. I'll make it next time. I just had some yeah. family mercy, be yeah. stuff that came up. Yeah, but, I get uh, it. I get it. Shout out to Tampa Bay Lightning. We appreciate mm-hmm. it. Next time we'll we'll be there, man. It looked like a good time. Nice little crowd yeah. out there, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. It's a ton of fun. So thanks, uh, thanks again so much to them. Ah, uh, Dan Muller had a presser today. He said five juniors submitted paperwork to the NFL. I guess he's trying to get grades back. Um, I still think uh, my my opinion just just shooting it from the hip. Not all info. It's a little little bit of info, a little opinion. I think Grimes comes back. Um. Some guys I don't have information. It could be a wild card. I think Slayton's one of those guys. He didn't give names, but I'm just kind of guessing mm-hmm. the names that went in. I would say Slayton, uh, Kadarius mm-hmm. Tony, mm-hmm. Marco Wilson, of mm-hmm. course Chris Henderson, yeah. and then Trayvon Grimes. So I think I think everybody ends up coming back, man, unless they're absolutely just 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 hell bent on going pro. But I think everybody but CJ comes back. I hope everybody but CJ comes back. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, sometimes you just don't know the motives of you know some of the guys for for why they're looking to potentially leave for the NFL, and it's not always that they're looking for a first or second round draft grade. They're looking for even that potential chance to get in uh, anywhere. Uh, some of them are, are are not in it for school anymore. Some you know sometimes they have bigger obligations, family, everything else that they need to provide for. So uh, no matter what uh, you know we think their their grades might be, they might be looking for something completely different than what we're looking at for why they should come back. So so hopefully, you know, you know, the four guys besides Henderson, you know, can come back and do decide to come back. Uh, but remember that it's uh, you know it's their choice and you know let them thrive if if they don't. I'm not talking to you guys, but more the listeners and everybody else that's going to question, you know, some of their decision making if it doesn't, you know, if they may not get drafted or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Dan, Dan pretty much hit it on the head. You know, it's a, it's a plethora of things that people, uh, you know, think about or, or makes them decide to go to the next level. And, you know, it's not always the, the grade. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what, what these guys end up doing. And, uh, you know, hopefully they make the right decision for them and their family. Um, you know, but ultimately, you know, uh, you know, we, 
you know, we hope they make the right decision. You know, sometimes it's hard to gauge, you know, um, you know, when you get those high round, uh, you know, grades, are you really going to go there? Are you going to go kill the combine mm-hmm. and get, you know, your draft stock better or, you know, they're going to look at your tape or whatever the case may be. It's just mm-hmm. hard. No, I just feel like personally, if you don't get a first or second round grade, you should come back mm-hmm. to school. Because, Absolutely. You know, whatever uh, grade you get, you got it. What's that? Go what's that process like with the uh, submitting your information and what's the wait process like? Like, how does that go? I, I honestly can't even remember how long the wait was. I think it was a few weeks. Um, but you just basically say, "Hey, you know, you, you let them know you want you want to turn in um, your papers." It's just to see what your grade going to be. Um, it's different in college basketball. I'm not sure how they do it in, in basketball. I know some some guys can submit their name to the draft and come back to school if they don't like it. Is, Am I right about that? He, yeah. He has, yeah. So yeah. they can, in, in college basketball, you cannot sign an agent. You can go through some of the workout process, and if it doesn't like it, you can return back, which is different than football. Once you decide to declare for the yep. draft, you've immediately given up that right to come back as a student yep. athlete. So, yeah. so, yeah. When, so you, when you submit you, that paperwork, is it is it going to uh, a combination of people, scouts, agent? Like, who reaches back to you? Is it a letter? Like, yes. Yeah, so it's, it's, the, it's the NFL, I guess the NFL scouts. So they look at your film and give you, you know, what, what they feel like the grade is. Now, um, I think we spoke about this the other day. You know, I think they they give you a grade on your on your what they're what they're hearing about, you know, about you or whatnot. What they're looking at on film, they kind of give you a guesstimate on what they what they feel like you'll go. Um, and you always gotta, you know. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta add a round or two on that, man. I'm, I'm just telling you how it is, cause like, I know when I came out, uh, my I put my papers in my junior year, and they told me, you know, fifth round grade, and I had an extraordinary year, and still went fifth round. So if I would have came out my junior year, it would have been looking crazy for me, you know. Probably yeah, I can imagine. Jacket, so yeah, yeah I can so. imagine. There's a lot of variables around all of that, man. They they get a grade out, but it's it's an estimation, and yeah. could be you could go before that, you could go after that. It's yep. Just, how it is, man. But um, we'll see. Uh, I think some of these guys may may be waiting to see what kind of bowl game they have. They have some incredible game they may jump. But I'm expecting some, most of those guys to come back. I'm pretty sure they want to announce in their own special ways as, as well. Yeah, for sure. We got some freshmen on campus this week, man. Some new guys, some new bodies, some recruits. Um, we'll get into the Joshua Braun commitment and flip from Georgia a little later when we get Andrew Spivey on to talk recruiting. But we had uh, Josh Braun, Anthony Richardson, and Richie Leonard show up there, and they're practicing on campus, man. Uh, Amal, mm-hmm. you experienced that a little bit. You didn't get to practice, but you showed up. You was in early enrollee, correct? Yeah, I, I came in early. So my first day of practice, uh, uh, I'm sorry, my first day of school was the national championship game game day. So uh, I didn't get to travel. We didn't get to travel with the team. Uh, but we definitely got to do the festivities uh, when they got back, such as like the, the national championship parade. Um, we went to the White House, um, and we were there for spring practice. So um, the, the pros to that, you get to, the, you go to spring practice, and you get to try to learn the playbook a little bit earlier than the rest of the guys. You get the experience, you know, how, how to practice, you know, tempo is and, and what to do and what not to do. Therefore, when, when the fall comes, you just hop right in and go. You'll be ready. Dan, what's your take on that, man? I think it's a, it's a good opportunity for these guys to get a head start on, on the um on the, the guys that are also coming yeah. into this class and other freshmen that, that come in on the fall. What's your opinion on that, man? Yeah, I mean, I got a, got a couple opinions. One, we need to get uh, Anthony Richardson in New Jersey without those Malik Zaire sleeves on him. Um, two, uh, I think it's awesome. <laughs> you know, anybody that has the chance to come on early, 
uh, and play and spend any time with the team, uh, get used to conditioning, get used to, I think the biggest thing in a mod, you can, you can chime in on this is it's not just the speed of the practice, the strength of everybody around it, but it's also what the routines like being a college athlete, you know, more so than, than, than anything, right. It's like the same way UF encourages, you know, freshman students to come in for summer B just so you kind of get the, the hang of everything, you know, they're not going through class. So this is their opportunity for them to just kind of get used to where everything is on campus, used to the flow of things, used to waking up early, you know, knowing where the weight room is, knowing how to, you know, get from this building to that building, whatever it is, whatever that comfort right. factor is. And then obviously any chance you have after that to, to get any reps uh, is huge. I don't think they're taking any real meaningful reps from anybody that, you know, is going to really use this game to, to show out. But this is really, you know, an opportunity for these guys to potentially rest some of the guys that were, you know, maybe dealing with some stingers, you know, towards the end of the season. You know, you get a guy like Braun in there to play, you know, second stream offensive, uh, you know, offensive guard or, or, or tackle. Uh, you get, you know, Richardson to throw the ball and, you know, maybe you work on, you know, a few things here or there with Trask, but it just gives you more options, you know, to fine tune things a little bit more and then get these used to get these guys used to being comfortable uh, on campus. You know, I, I think it's interesting uh, and hope that more players decide to do it. I don't know when this rule was put into effect, but it's only been uh, really the last few years. And I think it's awesome for those guys. Yeah, I yes, wonder. It's, it's a, um, go ahead, Amon. I'm just saying, it's so cool that these guys get out there and get opportunity to to um, to come a little bit earlier. Um, I was thinking, hey, you know, uh, play Anthony Rich. There you go. I, I was thinking uh, Anthony Richardson go play scout uh, scout team quarterback. Boom, you get him ready. You know, for, for the for the Virginia quarterback. Maybe you know, it's literally on, written on a card, bro. You don't have to be you know a, mm. a, a first round draft pick to, to look at a card and play quarterback you've been playing quarterback <laughs> your whole life so um that's cool man and you know um also another another plus to coming in early man you get the schooling you know you get to go to school and see how class is and you know get some of your classes out of the way so um it, it's plenty plenty different pros yeah. to, to come in early yeah i like the business approach cause, i mean these guys are uh, also walking away from are they allowed to play in the all-star games oh uh <laughs> I would imagine that they're going to probably be advised not to if they've come on campus. Correct. I, yeah. I'm not sure if they can, yeah, but I, I would imagine. It just makes sense. At that point, you're a collegiate athlete. Once you enroll, like I think you're like, yeah. you, know, you can't I participate in that. So it takes a little sacrifice to walk away from those games that you kind of – a lot of sure. these kids dream of playing in those games, man. But Absolutely. I like, I like yeah. the business approach and they're ready to get but, after it. But, I mean, you know, I think it speaks so highly of the, the three guys that, that came onto campus. And I don't know a ton about Richie Leonard. You know, he's one of those guys that commits. You're like, oh, that's a good player. And then, you know, hear from him again because he does everything right. You know, and you have a guy like Braun who, you know, liked UF. And I know, you know, ended up obviously committing to Georgia and then, you know, decommitted and then just showed up to campus the next day. Uh, and then Anthony Richardson, outside of, you know, our flirtation with Beck where he decided to potentially reevaluate his prospects. All of these guys are no nonsense guys that, you know, I think realize the value of, you know, however many practices they're going to get for that bowl practice, probably 10, 11 under their belt are more meaningful than the five or six practices that they might get. And maybe pardon me, a little bit of national TV exposure. So I think it speaks to the character of those guys. And I think it's awesome that, uh, you know, that they're choosing that route. Absolutely. I agree, man. Um, we're going to get into some more of that recruiting and talk about those guys a little bit later with, with Andrew Spivey when we get him on. But I want to get into this guest of the week. 
which is brought to you by Brun Insurance and Financial Services. Anything you need insured from the panel to the keys, holler at my man Greg, 954-589-2204. Big policies, man. Anything you need. Trailers, trucks, cars, homes. My man Greg gonna take care of you. 954-589-2204. Let's hang out. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale is former first team All-SEC and national championship winning defensive back, Tony George. Tony, how are you doing? Man, things are fabulous, guys. How you guys doing? Very good. Very good. Awesome. Awesome. So, so Tony, uh, let's, let's take it back, you know, a number of years. Um, you're from Ohio, born and raised in Ohio. Uh, the internet tells yeah. me you were recruited by 167 colleges, um, yeah. academic All-American in high school. How'd you end up in Florida and playing for the University of Florida? Uh, to be honest with you, it's kind of funny. Uh, I literally had uh, one day, I had Lou Holtz, I had Philip Palmer, and I had Ron Zook <laughs> at my house at one time uh, trying to get my front door and um Ron Zook um he told, told me that you know he's like I don't know why you got all these other guys here now you keep in mind Ron Zook is just, he was just a coordinator at the time and he's he's bucking against the, the big dogs Phil Fulmer and Lou Holtz and and those two were going at it because they they felt that it was their time to be there rather than um Coach Zook or anyone else's, you know, so it was like, well, it was supposed to be a 30-minute meeting with two of them, and they ended up running into each other, but when I realized that Coach Zook as a defensive coordinator was not backing down from a head coach, it made me think for a second, like, hmm, I, I can only imagine what his funk is like when we when he plays, <laughs> so... That's right. uh, it kind of, it kind of got me, it kind of, it definitely got me inquisitive if nothing else. Because my heart honestly was really kind of sold on Tennessee. Tennessee, he brought, at that time, he brought Kippy Brown, he brought Lovey Smith, he brought himself. And they're trying to figure out whether or not to play me on offense or defense or if not play me on both. And I was like, wow, this would be a great opportunity to be able to play both sides of the ball. First time, and they were pretty much guaranteeing me, oh, yeah, we're going to play you on both sides of the ball. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, I might be at Tennessee. But it was something about when I got off of the visit. I think I had a visit in early January down to the University of Florida. It was something about getting off of that plane, leaving negative 30-degree weather and coming down to 70-degree weather. And mind you, I was in a triple-fat goose with a hoodie. And I said, uh... Yeah, let me go ahead and shed these layers. And that was my first time seeing beautiful women with tans. And I was like, wait, whoa, I'm from Cincinnati. We in the city. I've never seen this before. Yes, I think I like it here. Uh-huh. And everybody was, everyone there was so <laughs> nice and cool. I'm talking about from, from, from Lawrence Wright, who has always been my mentor, to to Jack Jackson, to Chris Dorn, everybody that I saw were just, they were just amazing. So 
for me, it, it really wasn't a hard sell anymore. I think I shot my parents more than I shot anybody else because I pulled that gator hat out at the last second. Um, but I already knew that I was going to Florida. Okay. So, Tony, you know, me growing up, I, you know, I, I looked at, you know, Miami. I looked at Florida State. You know, I looked at Florida guys. And, and you know, you wearing that number one, that corner. Kind of, yes, sir. I, I, when I looked to turn on the games, when you used to wear that bandana yeah. sometimes, back in the day. Oh, yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? So, what you talking about? Yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I wore a bandana when I played. Yeah, right. <laughs> man, listen, it was, it was an attitude, man. Like, I, I brought it. Like, I, yeah, I remember, man. I, I, I was from Cincinnati, so. I wasn't used to the Florida guys at that point of, at my, and, and when I got there because I wasn't used to somebody talking trash to me and being just as good as I was, if not better. And it, it really, it really sold something to me. And I'm going to tell you what really got me. I'm going to tell you what made, what made me that person that you saw every Saturday. I thank Coach Spurrier for that. Coach Spurrier lined me up. I remember getting him pads the first day and then he like, all right, Tony, you're a parade All-American? All right. Let's see about that. He lined me up. He put me against. Now, listen, now listen this is a rundown. He put me against Jack Jackson, Chris Dorn, mm. Aubrey Hill, Riddell Anthony, Ike Hilliard, Jacquez Green, Murder's uh, Jamie Richardson. Ooh, like, woo-hoo. when I tell you, he sent, he sent every last one of them on the fade. I tell you, I went 0 for 9 against him. <laughs> and yeah, the he's like, like All-American, huh? Like, what you do? <laughs> Man, from that moment on, Spurrier built a monster. Because <laughs> I was in the weight room. I was the first one in, last one out from that moment on. I was going to class. I was doing everything that I needed to do. Nobody going to outwork me ever again. I remember Larry Kennedy coming over to me, man, because I was starting to get tears in my eyes. And Larry Kennedy, <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to show you all these techniques. He said, I'm going to mention you. I'm going to show you exactly what you need to do. He said, because you got the talent. He said, I just need to show you how to move your footwork. It's not in your hands with your mouth. You bump with your feet. Man, that stuck with me my whole life, even when I was in the NFL. And even now, I teach that to my kids. You don't bump with your hands. You bump with your feet. You know, so it's it's all it's it's all relative to everything he's done. Like I I learned how to become a great player because Coach Perry challenged me out the gate, and that for me I'm I've always been in debt to Coach Perry. Anytime I see him, man, we he'll come to town. We might have dinner. We might do anything. I'm always grateful and thankful that he taught me how to stand up and and take criticism out the gate and you know, work, place work ethic in me, you know, and that, that to me was why you saw that bandana and then why you saw that I was, I, I never had a touchdown called on me. I, I never had a touchdown called on me in the, in the pros or in, or in college, you know, or in high school. So I've never had a touchdown scored on me. And that, that to me, that's a big feat thinking, thinking that it really inspired me after getting beat in practice nine times. I literally wanted to wear number nine, but Anthony Lott had that one. <laughs> so, so you 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 being the first, one of the first ones, like the pioneers at corner with the one on, 
Was it like a, yeah. like a big deal back then, or it was just like, hey, you know, this is another number? Because right now, I made it a, I made, I was setting the precedent. Yeah, I, I wanted, I wanted anyone that wore that number one after me that your, your work ethic gonna have to speak for you. I'm talking about anyone, like if the Percy Harvins, the Reggie Nelsons. I mean, you can name it, Keon, Rattlers. I mean. Anybody that you can name that would have won afterwards was going to have to let your work speak for you. Like, you're bringing everybody out the tunnel wearing that number one. So you can't slack. You got to be you got to be the hardest-hitting, hell-raising son of a gun that you could possibly be because your team's going to need that number one to stand up. Nothing don't get started until number one gets started. You, you know, so that was always my attitude. You spoke. You're speaking about so, the number one right now. Um, your man Kiwan. You spoke about him as well. He came after you, and y'all from the same state, same same area. What's your yeah. guys' relationship like? Man, I love Kiwan. That's my dude. Like I, anything, anytime he need, if he need me for anything. You don't even have to ask. Man, I'm there. Um, I, you you never realize what you what you are to a person until you're you're, I guess after you see the impact that you bring upon people. Like hearing you speak on how I inspired you in some in some way. You know, that like you don't like you don't know how big you it really is. And I I I'm never one to think I was good enough because that's my work ethic. I always gotta work harder. I'm always gonna work harder. And I never thought that I was good enough. So I was going to let my work ethic speak for me. I was going to try to be the smartest in the class. I was going to try to be the best out on the field. I was going to try to be the best uh, well-mannered guy that you ever met out in society um, because I just I just felt like I had to work at that. So when you got guys like Key One who's coming up after me and and guys like yourself, like, man, I, I had to set a precedent. Like, to me, you you can't. You can't be, you, you can't say that you're great and you're not working towards it. You know, I, I had to make yeah. sure that I was working towards it for you guys would see it. Yeah, like, what was it like playing for, um, this silk, man, what was it like playing for Bob Stoops? You spoke about Spurrier a little oh, bit. Stoops, troops. Man, Stoops was the ultimate motivator. I mean, when I tell you he didn't get two rat tails about anybody. That's how it was, and that's the way that we played. And we better had to play with that attitude, or we were gonna be sitting next to him. Like Stoops was, Stoops was the, he was the most I'm a fight for you type of coach I've ever been around. Like he made sure that you played with moxie, you played with attitude, you played with aggression, and when you played, oh, you was gonna represent who he was as well. I'm going to coach you and put you in position. And he said, but I better see you make this play. Like, man, it was, we were so intense in practice. He and Coach Spurrier got at it one day. <laughs> like, we had to practice at separate times because they got at it at each other's necks. Like, and what that you got to get at it about? Like, man, Spurrier would get mad because we kept shutting them down. That was the funny gun. <laughs> funny hey, the funny gun had to turn into the stop and run because we was we was we was killing him. Like he was like, man, hold up, I'm gonna need you to shut down. He's like, no, we don't shut, we don't back down for nobody. 
And then I you know, uh, they they had they had words on the field, and then they went to a meeting. And then the next day, we heard that we had separate practices. I remember uh, Burry and Jimmy coming out to practice day. Oh man, it was rough up in meetings, man. He just shook his head. He said, "We got to be pra- we're gonna practice separate today." And then I was like, "Man, it was like that." But when I saw that Stoops was fighting that hard for us, I'm like, "Oh man, yeah, say no more." I run through a wall for yeah. this guy, whatever he needs. It's it's funny that you mentioned that, Tony. When I was uh, when I was at UF in 2007, 2008, uh, it was during the spring practice, and I remember Urban Meyer and Charlie Strong went after it. I think it was 2007 because kind of the exact same situation. Um, the defense kept shutting down the offense, and I remember Urban Meyer just looking back at, at Charlie and said, "Can you let me have one?" Uh, but he was pissed. He was pissed. But uh, man, hey, Tony, what was your what was your fa- what was your favorite uh, experience? Uh, at UF for your favorite game to play in? Oh, my favorite experience. Wow. Anytime that I played, we played at the Swamp. And then I, I take my class, I'm pretty, I'm a thousand percent certain that our class was undefeated at home, um, the 94 class. And what that did for me, um, from 95, I guess, until 99, we were undefeated. But what that did for me, man, it was that experience of being able to play in front of those, those fans, like, you don't you don't realize how loud we really are until you out there. You're trying to you're trying to it's you're fun. trying to make a check on defense, <laughs> and it's the check the check don't go this? all the way through. He's like, hey man, you got to look at my head. Yeah, I got to get you right, you know. Um, That's my, my probably my my best experience is beating Florida State. I I there's nothing that I I, I like better than seeing Florida State move like. And the reason I do that, I don't want to see them win, is because of what they did in my senior year, the very last game, when they found out that I was going to guard Peter Ward the whole game. They sent they sent Goon. They had a hit list. Yeah, well, hold on. I say, how'd that work out for you, bro? What wasn't that the game? Yeah, man, it didn't. Listen, they had they had they had to hit out. Like they had they. I didn't even have to do anything. They were going to call my name either way it went. Um, Yeah. This was the actual thing that happened, though. So <laughs> it's a it's, it's so funny, but it's karma too. So I gotta tell y'all about that. But I'll I'll, re, I'll revert back to the karma. Uh, that game, um, I was talking to Peter Warwick at the very beginning of the game, and I was like, "Hey, yo, yeah." I said, "Get ready, it's about to be a show." And he was dapping me up. We was cool. He's like, "Hey, man, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's make it happen." Next thing I know, it's the crowd in the middle over there. So both he and I walk over there, and then he's grabbing his guy, kind of pushing back, and I. I'm over there, and I'm grabbing my guys. I see Thaddeus Bullock, who wears number 11, and I got the number one jersey on. I see Thaddeus Bullock come over the top of my shoulder and just jack somebody in the mouth. Wow. Uh-huh. And I said, oh. And I'm pushing back. So I turn around, I look. The ref comes over, and he says, yeah, get that guy right there. The one, he got a one on the jersey. He, the other guy, he, got the one, he has the number one on the jersey. He kept saying the guy has a number one on the jersey, and he was talking about that. Cause I was standing right next to him, and I was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Man, Thad's hands all—it was all busted up. It was like you could see that he had clearly done stuff he wasn't supposed to do." Uh, but another the, guy, the, another one of the fan, comes in. Hold on, for the fan that may not know uh, who Thaddeus Bullard is, uh, today he's a wrestler. His name's Titus O'Neil. <laughs> Titus O'Neil, that's right. For the for the, for the <laughs> gist O'Neal. that may be listening. 
Yes. So when 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 Titus did what he did, <laughs> there was another rep that runs in and says, did you say number one? Number one did it? And then I'm like, hey, no, I'm right here. Look at me. Look, I'm, look nothing here. Look, my hands are up in the air. And then, you know, me and Peter are standing, like, right there back to back. And we like, hey, man, it's showtime. Let's do it. And I'm like, I bet. Dap them up. Run in the locker room. I come back out. Number one, you've been taught. I said, what? <laughs> I said, whoa. But listen, when I tell you heartbreaking, oh, man, I, I, I felt like I was a heart and soul. You know, like, I just that was just me. I felt like I was a yeah. heart and soul, and this team went if I went. And I felt like that. And, and whether it was true or not, that was the way I felt. And then if I did my job, I knew everybody else was going to do theirs. So my goal that whole week was I'm ready to shut Peter Ward down. And I had it in my mind. He wasn't going to catch nothing. He wasn't even going to catch a cold. I was going to make sure that I talked to drip everything. And that was that was me. That was my mindset. Like, he wasn't going he wasn't going to get anything in. So here's where the karma comes in. Every game before then, you would always see me get into a little bit of a mini scuffle with anybody that was in our area, whether it was the other DBs on the other team that was practicing. I'm going to push and mush somebody in the head. I'm going to do something to get us fired up to make me jump on top of the hurdle, huddle and, and let everybody know exactly what time it is. So that was, that was kind of that karma that came back and said, you might not have did anything this time, but you were doing it before. And you weren't getting any trouble for it, so and I'm sitting there the whole time like, no, but not this one, please just let me get this one, you know. More than anything, this is trash year, let's get this. So yeah, they didn't let me play that Florida State game, man, and it and that that to me, that sent something to me. That whole the whole getting ready for the orange bowl after that, man, I I was playing like this was the my last the last game of my career. So I went against Donovan McNabb and I was trying to I was trying to wreck shop against the receiver that he had, Kevin Johnson. I was hey, look, whoever out here, he getting work. <laughs> I had me a pick, a lot of big hits, a couple pass breakups, and I was like, yeah, it's showtime. In practice, man, what was the, the collisions like with Fred T? Oh, my goodness. Oh, we, we threw it back and forth to one another. Fred T's a monster. <laughs> That's my dude, man. Like, Fred T, he's uh, he's he's one of the most quiet, quietest, hardworking guys you'll ever meet in your life. He wasn't going to brag. He wasn't going to do nothing. He just going to bring that hat to you every time. And then you have to go in there. You got to throw it back to him. And then I'm, I remember one day we were just going back and forth. And he just kept saying, he, he just came to the side and said, hey, man, we got we to gotta chill out, man. You know, we got too much happening right now. You, you know, my head killing me right now, T. And I said, mine too, bro. So I said, let's chill out, you know. But Fred Taylor, man, that is – he's one of my nine choir brothers, you know. And, I mean, we had such a – we had such a, a deep and wonderful class, man. We had we had a lot of guys that were just stars in the making, man. I mean, uh, we had myself, Fred T., Ike Hilliard, Riddell Anthony, Jacquez Green, Jamie Richardson, LaFeece Kareem, Willie Coins, Mo Collins, Zach Tiller, um, who else do we have? I mean, Travis McGriff. I mean, we we and Terry Jackson, one of my my brothers I talked to today. Man, you talked to Terry today. We we had. Yeah, I talked to Terry today, man. Let's Terry talk. Me and Terry talk on some business stuff. Yeah, me and Terry. 
Yeah. Ahmad Black said, I used to I used to bust him in, in that man. Terry's come to the house. <laughs> He was about them games, man. Him, him and Quinn, they yep. used to play them games, man, until 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 they fell asleep. <laughs> so so I think, play them. I, I think I think what a lot of people want to know, you just named off a whole laundry list of, of talent y'all had on y'all team. So uh, you know, me and Redell yeah. talked about I talked talked to Redell earlier this week and uh or, or last week, late last week, I'm sorry. And uh, I think what the people want to know is who you think who did, who you think will win the 08 team or the 1916? 1916 Christianity and, and, and his his move and his drive is 100% motivating. And the talent that y'all had was great. But when we tell you that we had, we had hitters at every spot. Like, I'm talking about you guys. I mean, I'm talking about special teams. We got, we done it. Like, that was my thing. At that time, I was a special teams guru. So imagine me being just a special teams guru while these other guys going out there. Now, I played nickel and dime, but I wasn't the main one out there. I mean, you had the – we had the Fred Rearies and the Lawrence Wright, the Thorpe winner, and, and Anthony Lott, Mr. Shutdown. I mean, you had James Bates, the, the, the Wayne Thomas. Like, man, we had – Man, we had when I tell you that we was athletic at every single position at Ed Chester, there was nobody blocking Ed Chester. I don't care who you were on that offensive line. You could be, you know, three team, uh, three time All American first team. You wasn't blocking Ed Chester. I'm telling you. I, I need you to put some <laughs> respect on man. the collar, bro. Put I some look, respect on Russell's oh, yeah. name out here, man. Put okay. Some respect I'm, on that yeah, collar. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I, I guess I, 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 I give it. I, listen, I can't argue. Like I, I would, I wouldn't want to see. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to have to see us go against one another like that. But I'm gonna tell you, we gonna break it if we do, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's gonna be a lot of. It's gonna be a lot of concussed people out there. That's all I can say. <laughs> you, know, you, know how, you know how you say you can't block it up, but I'm gonna have a lot of trouble blocking Dunlap coming out that edge. So, Boy, listen, I know we got we got we got lap out there, but see, we got we had we had a guy that we had an offensive line that was just nasty and dirty though. Like, man, we you talk about one of the guttiest and and, and grimiest guys. Like you talk about Mo Collins. Yeah. Mo Collins yeah. shut down Andre Watts. Yeah, he was filthy. Yeah, he was filthy. Like, yeah. like, Mo was. When I tell you, Mo was, one, Mo was one of my best friends. He was Mo was literally one of my best friends here in, in the Charlotte area, and and Mo and I spent holidays together. We did everything together until his uh, passing. But the thing that I always loved about Mo is that he's gonna tell you exactly how he's gonna beat you. Mark, Mark, Mo was methodical. Like that dude, was like, oh, I'm gonna drag you, but here's how I'm gonna drag you. You know, like. And, and then he said, yeah, I'm going to catch you up underneath your chin and I'm going to throw this elbow in your chest. 
<laughs> act like a blocky on the inside. Like Mo will let you know exactly what he's gonna do to you. And then at the end of the game, I'm gonna shake your hand and tell you, um, next week I'm gonna do the same thing to somebody else. <laughs> you know, like it was it was guys like that and Zach Tiller. Zach was one of the strongest guys I've ever seen in my life. Zach was throwing up six, seven hundred pounds like it wasn't nothing. And I'm like, man, this dude here, monster on the line. He played several years with uh, Tennessee Titans. Um, but those are those are my those are. I just wouldn't want to have to see us go up against one another like that. It, that that'd be know, cold. I think I time. think it would be a great game. I do think it would be a great game, but I think. Going against all those receivers, I don't think the DBs would have been able to handle what we had at them wideout spots. I think you would have got some hits off, though. <laughs> That's for sure. But I don't, I don't hit, my man. You know, I'm up in leaderboard interception type shit. So, you know. I mean, <laughs> don't get those interceptions I mean, back there. Yeah, I'm going to make that. I, 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 I can't. Hey. All the hitting, man. I can't really. I do a little something, something, but I leave that the major right, man. Yeah, major. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, major, major, yeah, major did that too. Yeah, major, major, come on up there and lay it down. Y'all was a ball hawk. Don't get it wrong. Hey, listen, y'all a ball hawk. Like, listen. My thing is that when they catch that, they catch that hitch. Then what y'all gonna do when they get in that space? You gotta catch it though. You know, I, I, I think you know. <laughs> yeah, different. yeah, you're right. You pick off right. hitches on the first play of the game with AJ Green. You know, so oh, hey, yeah, we might know. That is very true. We have to know everything. Norris and Joe Hayden on the corners. This question oh, yeah. I always wanted to ask: yeah. you. What, what was y'all? What was y'all's um, locker room and, and film yeah. room study? What was y'all think on Peyton Manning? Man, I I spent I I told I told them to watch Peyton Manning. I, Peyton Manning was that was I made I made a career off of Peyton Manning. To be honest with you, um, yeah, that's why I asked. Peyton Manning was the, he was he was pocket. So we were always we were always taught that. His first look was his look off, and he was always he he'd always look us off, and he'd have his shoulders pointed. But you you can't turn your shoulders to so many times because mm-hmm. he he literally he he'll, he'll look in the opposite direction when he approaches the line, and he always you know act like he's pointing in that direction, which I know he's coming back in the exact opposite direction. So he wants us to shift the way that he's looking at. Coach Stu said, no, you're going to hold your position and stay there. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm going to send a blitz where he's looking and where he's calling from because it's going to force him to throw the backside up in the air. He did it like three or four times in the game that we played him um, in 1997. Now, he did it like three or four times like that. I think Fred Weary got him a, a, a pick on it. Then that's when I got my, my big 89-yarder against him. But it was because we kept sending the pressure from the side that he thought that he was taking us out on. Yeah. And we were expecting it on the backside. So we were taught that we were going to give him the impression that everything that he's calling out to the side that he's looking at, we're going to come from that exact side. And we're going to force you to throw at the backside real quick. Cause we're going to get back there. And, um, that was the way that we were taught to really kind of go after him. But you, you cannot, you can't, you have to pressure like, you just can't sit back and let him sit back there because he will pick you apart. He's That's always been that pick apart guy. <laughs> All right, so that, that leads to the next question. All right, for a lot of people who listening who don't don't really know, um, I'm about to ask about disguising, and disguising is when 
Um, you know, you show one coverage and you play something else. So did y'all have to disguise yeah. a lot of him? Um, I, I know, you know, we did not. Y'all did not. We, we no, we showed we showed man we showed man concepts just about every single thing that we did. Um, even when we were even when we were playing um, zone coverage, um, our safeties always kind of played off. We never we never really played up. I think yeah. I was kind of the only one that had the luxury to show either up or off, and that was because I had the ability to be able to play corner and safety. But ideally. We showed a man concept even when we were playing zone. We would do like what we call a press bell technique is that we'll show man, yep. and then we'll run out and open up to yep. a zone field concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we did, and it all it, it helped us a lot into getting a lot. You know, we, um, we would have a, a Roman free safety, which was Tico Brown, that, he would find that ball and go get it, you know. Right, right, right. If it right. was tipped, he'll grab it. If it was up in the air, he'll go get it, you know. Mm-hmm. But right. we also had we had the idea and the concept that it always looked like man because we were always pressuring. We was always doing something. We were always making it look like a bitch. So even our zone blitz, our zone blitzes looked like a man-to-man concept. So we always showed up as if we were playing man-to-man. So we didn't disguise very much at all. Speaking of which, I mean, obviously that's, a, you know, a lot of changes from, from high school to college and college to NFL in terms of, of what you're doing and, and scheming and coverage and everything else. What, what do you do from, from high school to college and then from uh, my biggest My biggest challenge was from, from, from high school to college. I think that realizing that you have defensive ends, Javon Curse is running four threes, <laughs> you're running the same speed that you're running. Right. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> you know. Um, we had never we had never had someone that was able to to I had never seen anyone able to do that with that type of size. When I first got there we had a guy by the name of Kevin Carter who ran a four four. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that absolutely amazed me. He was six six, two seventy, and we were like, "Wait, you run a what? You run a four what?" And it's like, "Oh my goodness!" Like, man, we gotta we gotta up our game. I said, "How much did he weigh?" And like, well, he's two seventy. Oh my goodness, yeah. that's crazy. And, and, and like when you hear that, it's like, man, that was a, that was a huge jump to know that we have defensive linemen running the same speed that they're running that wide receiver. And it's like, man, I'm like, man, you. I'm not even. I said I'm not even a step faster than you. He's like, no, you're not. And he's very like. I'm like, oh man, it's, you know. I said I see this, this this huge guy, and I see, you know, that everybody played with such an urgency. That's something that you don't see in high school. You don't see guys playing with that that particular type of urgency because it's like, oh wow, you know, you got that star athlete, and he just kind of controls the whole game. Oh man, they! By the time you get to college and you're talking about the SEC, that speed is it's unmatched, man. It's unparalleled to any anything or anybody else that you're ever going to play against that you're ever going to see. Even going from college to the pros, that, that was not a jump for me because I, playing in the SEC, I saw all the speed. <laughs> right, right. I, I saw all the all the all the Kevin Fox and the Champ Dellies and. 
uh, in Hans Wars, like I, we were seeing those guys on a weekly basis. You know, the Eric Couches and Craig Yeast. I mean, it, we were seeing those guys every single week. Um, and it was like, wow, what do you do with that? Like, it, it, it's very hard to put all those things into context. And then you, you had the in-state rival with Florida State every 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 uh, Thanksgiving, and it was that was an all-out. No matter who had what record, that was that was where it went down. And then Miami threw their name their name in the head eventually, but seeing that speed, man, the college was. College was it for me. That was like going to the pros, man. By the time you got there, and you like, oh, is that it? Okay, all right. Well, yeah, I can, I can meet Tom Brady on this out route because Tom Brady was fourth string when I got there, and it was like, oh, okay, he couldn't complete the out route, so I'm gonna just keep picking you off because your arms are a little bit slower than what I thought. So I'm gonna just keep picking you off on these all these out routes, you know, to to Belichick decide to stop practice and say, hey, well, you know what, let us get this. Let's get this out right in, you know. The what we saw in the, in, in in college, and I, I think that that's a big testament to to why a lot of the SEC guys succeed in the NFL. What's your favorite moment um, moment of memory in this one? Obviously, that that pick with Peyton Manning. Oh my goodness! Um, the the eighty nine yard interception. I can I can promise you guys I I try to relive that moment every single day of my life, and the reason why mm. not not so much because it's paid man and because it just it just shows a a moment of resiliency no matter what you're going through no matter if somebody's driving on you no matter if they're pushing you against the edge and they're about to score you can turn it around at any moment you know. And it could be just that one move where I'm so tired on this drive, let me just step out of bounds and let the offense take over. And you cut back in after you see the smallest opening. And then you go for everything you know. You pick your feet up and you put them down and you turn them over until you hear glass break. You just run. And then that moment I try to relive every single day. And the reason the reason why is I, won't, I don't have quit in me. And I, I just – that moment pretty much put everything that I had ever done in my life in a nutshell. Like that, that to me is what, what Tony George is all about. Dr. Tony George is all about any, any part of me. That's what it's all about. What does Steve Spurrier mean to you off the field? We know what he was like as a coach, but as a man what, and a mentor, what did he mean to you off the field? He was, he was very, he was, he was a very instrumental part in who I am as, as a, as a doctor now in divinity. Um, Steve Spurrier kept it very holistic with us. Like he, I'm not going to sugarcoat whether or not I think you guys deserve something because I think you guys deserve the world. And that was the way that he laid it out to us. He never hid anything from us. He, he had an open-door policy. As a man leaving home 13 hours away from home, it, it was important to have a relationship with, with, with great men. Um, started off with Zook. His, let me just backtrack. Spurrier had the, one of the greatest staffs 
that I I could put a mind to from 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 Ron Zook to Charlie Strong to uh, Jim Collins to uh, Coach Sanders, Bob Sanders, uh, Coach Broadway uh, on offense, Coach D, Dwayne Dixon. I mean, he had Steve Spurrier Jr. I mean, we we had we had such a plethora of greatness that we were always around, and he was the epitome of every one of those guys at some point. You know, Spurry had he had a little bit of that cockiness, he had a little bit of that that arrogance, he had a little a lot of intelligence, he had a lot of care. He had a lot of understanding. He had a lot of just just compassion for for us as, as young men trying to grow up. He understood that we got hungry on the weekends, and you know, he always made sure that we we took an extra plate of food to make sure that we had something to eat on. I mean, he was right. he was he was just that guy, man that that taught you that. You know, yeah, it's it's one thing to be a man, but it's another thing to 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 be understanding of how to do this for others. You know, so Correct. his ability to teach us how to understand how to be men for not just ourselves but for others. I mean, he was he was the catalyst for a lot of the the, the greatness that came out of the University of Florida from the time that I was there from '94 to '99, and he was the key catalyst for all that greatness. I just, I just think it's, you know, it's a common, a common theme that, you know, some of our greatest teams had similar things in common. And that was, you know, we all played for each other. We all uh, had the same common goal of winning and we had a family, yeah. um, you know, a family atmosphere in our locker room and whatnot. You know, um, you can say what you want about yeah. Urban. He a liar or whatever. Um, I know dude was a family guy. He, <laughs> <laughs> whatever y'all want to say. Urban. Yeah. I, I, listen. <laughs> I I love Urban. I don't. He can't do any wrong. Urban reached out to me personally and had me come to the SEC championship game and eat dinner with you guys. Like for me, there's no bigger moment than when a head coach calls you in to speak to his team and have dinner with his team. And like he said, man, you know the the. I guess one of the biggest compliments he had. He said, man, you know I remember when I was in Ohio and you were coming out and he remembered me, that, that speaks volumes. Like I knew he was an Ohio guy, but I didn't know that I had made such an impression that he would, he would remember me and know the things that I did to the point where he and he invited me back to, to have dinner with you guys. And that to me, like I'm always a fan of Urban Meyer. Like I'm, he, did his he does his due diligence in making sure that he reaches out to the former player to show his current players this is how you get it done. You know right. Right. this guy was part of this and this is what he did great. And you know, this is what you have to do to achieve his greatness. Like he he broke it down honestly to a science. Like that's what he I there's no wrong that Urban Meyer can do in my eyes. I I just you know, I, I I hated he walked away from from the University of Florida because I know what he actually meant to the University of Florida. I know exactly what he meant to those guys that he was leaving. Um, 
but everything happens for a better, for the better, you know, yeah. and, you know, yeah. he has to do what he has to do for for himself and his, his family as well. Yeah. Dude also caught me, he caught me a recruitment mistake, but whatever, that's a different conversation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he called, he called, he, he called a lot of people that after the fact, but you know what, it's too late after you've already made the choice. Yep, yep, yep. Well, we, we appreciate you, you coming. You can't over. retract. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, man, thank you guys for having me, man. I really appreciate you guys, yeah. man. Always go get Anytime, it. Anytime, man. Anytime. Hey, We'd like to get the goats on here, the greats, to come on here sure. and chop it up with us, man. We appreciate your time. Before you dip on us, bro. You Always, brother. Thank you, guys. One more thing from you. We need a, we need a score yes, prediction. Sir. Score prediction for the bowl game. Bowl game. I see us 35-17. 17? If they get that. I'm just saying 17 to be nice. I really don't see seven. But I'm going to be nice, though. It's a holiday. Merry Christmas, fellas, man. Happy New Year, guys. Absolutely. Same to you, man. All right. Man, I got to kick it with Tony George on the stadium, Miguel. I don't know about y'all boys, but that's a blessing. We hanging out, man. We hanging mm-hmm. out. I remember, remember that. I'm telling you that bandana. Mm-hmm. If, listen, bro, any usually this how me and my little brother gauge things, bro. If you got a, if you back in the day, if you had a ball head and you was in college, I mean, you bought that shit because ain't no ain't no college was gonna walk around with no ball or, head. Or, or somebody mess with your fade. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, he's either one or the other, bro. Because if you got a ball head, like like for Fournette, you said that ball head, like it was like that. Was that ball head? Was balling, boy. Uh, but uh, this next segment uh, is sponsored by South Georgia Pecan. Again, holidays are coming up. Give them a call. Uh, anything you want, uh, we got them for holiday gifts with my company this year. I know uh, Ray reviews from them. I know that we always love them. And then I'll, obviously a lot of you guys have reached out and bought stuff from them as well. And you really love their product as well. So give them a call at 800-732-2646. Visit them at georgiapecan.com, 800-732-2646. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. On the show, we got a Bama writer from 247 Sports, Tim Watts. Tim, how's it going? Hey, man, good. How are you doing? Hanging out a little bit, man. Uh, it's that time of the year. Wednesday is the, is the day. How you it feeling? It is, man. I mean, it's busy. You know, it's crazy. You know, the thing I say this because I, I watch the fan bases. I mean, you know, primarily I'm watching Alabama, but I watch everybody's fan base, and it's it's the same panic you see, the same of roller coaster getting everybody, we're losing everybody. <laughs> you know, I saw something on Facebook. What's this emoji mean on Twitter? You know, you trying to. I got a 17 and 18 year old, and if you're trying to figure out what a kid's saying on social media with an emoji, good luck to you. Give me a call. Let me know because I can't figure out where they're at tonight. So I sure don't yeah, know where I mean, some of other people's kids are going. It gets investigative uh, real heavy this time of year. They're looking at likes. They're looking at follows. They're trying to see <laughs> everything that's going on, man. The big elephant oh. in the room is, is is Tim Watts, though, man. That's what everybody – I mean, Tim Smith. That's what everybody's uh, minds on. So what you yeah, feeling I mean, right now? 
You know, I think, I don't know. You know, this is one of those situations where you know, a lot of times you, you, it's hard. Not to, I, always, I always like to give the home team an advantage. You know, anytime you got to, you know, you got to recruit, he's that close to home. I think that's got to be factored in. Even if that home state school doesn't get him, I think you have to respect him. Um, Tim, you know, back when Jerez Parks was being recruited by Alabama, you know, everybody was telling me they had a up, you know, young kid coming up. Tim was the guy, and he wanted an Alabama offer, dreamed of an Alabama offer. So I sort of always go back to that. But at the same time, I mean, you know, this kid's been to Florida three, four, five times, and, uh, you know, it's a three-hour drive. I think right now, you know, talking to people, I wouldn't say it's probably done, but I still feel like Alabama's got a little bit of a lead, a little bit of an advantage. Um, if it was Florida, let me say, if it was Florida, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, I, I can see, I've seen that battle go both ways. But I think right now, you know, Alabama's did a pretty good job, been on him a while. Um, I think Dan Mullen and them did a good job of getting him on campus. I mean, he's been up there three or four hundred. So uh, I wouldn't want to call, wouldn't want to bet anything on it right now. But I think Alabama sells their own. Um, but like I said, either way, this thing's not going to surprise me. Got you. So you pretty much got it on the 50-50 split right now? Yeah, I mean, if I was, if, you know, if I was choosing, I, I, I would say I think Alabama, just because that's been the school for so long. Like I said, going back to the sophomore year, you know, Alabama, you know, right out of the gate, the first school he mentioned. And, and you know how some kids grow up, you know, wanting to go to a school, whether it's, you know, we see kids here uh, in Alabama that wants to go to an out-of-state out of school. In fact, I'll never forget Chad Jackson back in the day. I knew him growing up in you know, the Little Leagues. And, you know, he just always wanted to go to Florida. And then when he came, you know, became one of the best, you know, in the in the country, you know, it, you know, he's 30, 45 minutes from Hoover. Hoover High School is 30, 45 minutes from Alabama. So that was a kid. You know, sometimes these kids grow up knowing where they want to go if they get that opportunity. And then again, you got, you know, he's, you know, you got that pull of the home state crowd, you know, staying close to home. Tim, what's your um who who if if Ben was to miss on to, um Tim Smith, who who would they go out there next? You know, I think they're sort of that position. They're sort of set. They're still recruiting McKinley Jackson. That's that's a big monster out in Mississippi. That kid did really well at the Alabama Mississippi game. Um, pretty similar to Tim. So they're recruiting him. I don't really know that that kid. That guy's not going to sign until February. So I haven't really dug into his recruitment too much. But I mean, if they miss on Tim, I think that they. I don't think they're going to replace a defensive tackle this soon, this quick. I mean, this is sort of the you know this is sort of the benefit of having the early period. You don't have to. If you miss, you still got a few months to identify, and there's still a bunch of kids whose stock is going to go up. There's going to be kids right now with small offers. They're going to end up with huge offers because you're looking at 70 to 80 percent of these. Mm-hmm. All these players are signing. So you take a three star, you remove 70 or 80 percent of the head of them, and that guy jumps up. You know, you can look up and the guys are one of the top 100 players in the country that's available, and you're going to have everybody fighting over them. So I don't think. I think if Tim flips. I don't think they're instantly going to replace him on Wednesday with another defensive tackle. I think you'll, they'll sort of readdress, regroup. I think all schools will do this and then sort of figure out how they want to attack it in the late period. Well, Tim, I got a question, and this goes back to just Tim Smith. It seems to me like Nick Saban during the, the course of his time coaching has been a guy that hasn't really told players to shut it down, but you know, Tim Smith made it pretty vocal that he's going to UF and he's been there, been there quite often. Do you think Nick Saban is, is trying to take a, a different approach with him to kind of let him feel it out and show that, Hey, he's comfortable with, you know, his ability to, to bring him in or, or why do you think that, that Saban's been seemingly a lot more open to Tim Smith visiting UF seemingly, you know, half yeah, the games well, he, a season. 
he's been, you know, he's been pretty open like that his whole career, at least when he's got to Alabama. Um, okay. I think he's one of those guys. I think he's one of those guys. I don't think it's just him, but I mean, you don't really get anywhere trying to tell a kid don't take visits. I know Clemson and Dabo are doing that a little bit, but um, I think you got to let them. Also, in the day and age with this transfer portal, you really don't want a kid having, you know, coming to your school and he's only taking one visit and he gets there and he's unhappy at the end of the day. He'll hit that portal. So I think Saban's always been loose like that. I can't think of many kids that I've heard like say, hey, coach said don't take visits. Now, I do think there are certain situations when they're locked in and they've passed on other guys in the past where they passed on other guys at, you know, at a specialty position, quarterback position, uh, you know, something, you know, where they, they got to have that guy. I think they will take that approach. Like most staffs, you know, if you shop, we shop is sort of, you know, sort of the, sort of the theory, but um, I've never really known him to shut down a whole lot of guys. And I think for the most part, most colleges let these kids, you know, take visits. Any surprises we should see on Wednesday from anybody else around the country? Shockers. What can we expect I, from, from Alabama? From from Alabama on signing day, uh, both early signing day. I mean, do you think they're going to finish the number one class, number two class, and um, where where do you think that they go? No, you know, I think I think Clemson's probably they they did a good job. Obviously, they've got some good talent. I think they're probably going to end up with the number one class. LSU has a lot. Then what? It's basically going to boil down. There's a handful of guys. You got guys like Darnell Washington who's choosing between Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee. You know, it depends on what he does. Jordan Burks could go anywhere. Georgia's in that. LSU's in that. Um, so I think it depends on how everybody finishes. You know, you know, if somebody was to sweep the pile, you know, that's probably, you know, if LSU or Alabama or Georgia swept the pile, they very well could have the number one one class. But I think for Alabama, I mean, they're probably looking at a top three, three class, top four class, you know, somewhere around there right now. And there's still a late period. They've got some guys that won't sign um, in the early period that still have academic work to do. So, it's a lot. I mean, there's so many guys. There's so many big names. And y'all know just following this in the last 48 hours, it's the most rumors. It's the most, you know, people, you know, smoke screens. We're seeing, you know, misinformation intentionally and all that kind of stuff. So it's hard to predict overall. Clemson's had a terrific class. I mean, they're sort of they're sort of cherry picking in the ACC right now until somebody steps up there. Um, and then you got Alabama, Georgia, LSU, some of those schools fighting for that two, three, four spot. What's your uh, read on Jameer Gibbs? How do you think that plays out? He's going to be very coveted after Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, that's a guy, that's a, that's a prime example of a guy who's, you know, I, first of all, I'm a big fan of Gibbs to begin with. I like what, I, like what I've seen. I think he's a good football player. Um, I saw Florida State offered him. I'm surprised more schools, want, you know, haven't really, uh, you know, went in on him like I, would, like I thought they would. He's going to be a guy, if he's out in that late period, you know, he's going to be a guy that stops. You need a running back if you missed on you know, if you missed on Zach Evans, if you missed on your running back, that's going to be a kid that's going to be a priority for a lot of staff. It's funny because nobody even really – he's committed to Georgia Tech a while. Nobody even considers him a commitment. It's almost a foregone conclusion he might end up somewhere else. Nobody's even considered he might end up staying with Georgia Tech. So it's been kind of an odd recruitment. And he blew up, and he was putting up – you know, he was putting up that on Bo Jackson video numbers at one point during this high school yeah, season. Yeah, you know, Oh, yeah. it was crazy. It was like it was like fake numbers. You know, it's like a little you know, like a little kid in little league. You know, whose dad's coaching, running up the score room. I thought he was playing stars, blind so. kids or something, man. They, yeah, I mean, I was. I mean, he was. When I see those stats, you know, six, seven touchdowns. I was. I was thinking, who the heck is this guy playing? And he's playing Georgia competition. You know, it's one of the, you know, it's a really good state for for uh, for football. So I think his stock's definitely going to go up. 
What where's Bama at in his recruitment? Is he a take from Bama? He's a guy to pursue him. They're waiting to miss on Evans or and see what happens there. Yeah, Evans Alabama's out. Alabama's been out for Evans for a while in my opinion. So that just that really wasn't okay. a great fit, I think. Um I think you're looking at Texas A and M. I mean, to be honest, Evans could commit to the NFL. I mean, that guy, his recruitment, you know, and I knew early on they told me he was a different guy. He just sort of was was out there and, and, and uh, not in a bad way. He's just out there, you know, he's just doing his thing and I mean, he took the SAT this week and missed the first half of his football game uh, in the state playoffs. So came in and ran for like 160 yards in the second half. So, I mean, this guy's a phenomenal talent. Got some maturity issues. Uh, Texas A&M thinks they're in there. LSU thinks they're in there. That's sort of the, the final two right now. Alabama and Georgia were the names at one point. They sort of dropped out. But I think with Bam, I think, you know, you, you look at that, and you, you know, Alabama's got a couple running backs committed. And most guys, I think most – most schools are going to look and see how this finishes, and they're going to see what they need. They're going to look up, and they're going to be a defensive back short. They're going to be an offensive tackle short, and they're going to change their priorities. So I think they're looking to see where they finish because, I mean, Alabama technically could can be completely full after Wednesday. And, uh, um, you know, it's the same for, you know, George and LSU. They probably couldn't, you know, knock all their, all their uh, scholarships out. But it, it seems unlikely with all these big dogs battling for these players for one to sweep. Okay, man. I just want to get you on the, and, and top it up, man. Everybody's in our mentions asking us what's the deal with Tim Smith and Jameer Gibbs, man. I appreciate you for coming and hanging out with us, man. Nah, man. Anytime. Y'all holler at me. When you get with me on the late period, I'll be glad to come back to and see how everything checks out. All right. We'll do, man. I will, uh, we'll take good luck, but I don't want you to have good luck Wednesday, man. So, till next well, time. Well, wish me luck. Well, wish me luck on the rest of them. Yeah, on the rest of them. <laughs> Most definitely. All right, All right Tim. Man. Appreciate it. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Go Gators. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And then joining us for the second time on Stadium and Gale is Gator Country recruiting expert, Andrew Spivey. Andrew, how are you today, buddy? I'm doing great. We're getting uh, we're getting close to that uh, Wednesday at seven o'clock when uh, some letter of intent will start rolling in. So when this yeah. podcast drops, it'll be 24 hours before uh, players can start sending their faxes for the first time or whatever they're doing these days. Um, how can we expect Florida to land uh, on Wednesday at the end of the day? Yeah, I mean, you know, I say anywhere that five to six range, uh, you know, I think that that's kind of realistically where you can put Florida, maybe seven, depending on, you know, what some other schools do. But, you know, if Florida, you got to think they have four guys that are in the class. And unlike a lot of schools, Florida's not worried about anybody flipping um, on their 24 all, but four will sign early. And, you know, those four are not signing early because of academic reasons, but uh, everyone that Florida has in the class is expected to sign. So um, really Florida's looking out for the Tim Smith. Uh, um, they're looking at Clyde Pender, Donnell Harris, Sam Brown. Um, and then, you know, they'll keep an eye on guys like Malik Keith and EJ Smith, two guys who are like they're trending away. But, you know, I, I think Florida has already kind of put the hay in the barn for the most part. They're kind of looking for icing on the cake on Wednesday. Perfect. So there's going to be a lot that obviously we talked about. The first thing, I figure we just break this into to offense and, and defense. It seems like Florida's recruiting really, really well on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Ron English read everybody's tweets about his recruiting. Um, but yeah, I want to talk about <laughs> offense real quick. So 
you know, Florida has a, you know, some question marks. Obviously, they don't have a running back, um, you know, committed right now, and it looks like they probably won't sign one on on Tuesday or on Wednesday. Pardon me. Where where does Florida go from here over the next couple months? Well, they've got to they've got to continue to to go hard after Gibbs. Uh, that's the Georgia Tech commit, and and the Henry Paris is a, is a guy they're going to continue to stay on. And uh, you know, they have Jalen White just kind of waiting in the background if if they don't land either one of those two guys. But, you know, I think a lot of it will kind of be determined a little bit more uh, on Wednesday when we see, you know, does, does Georgia pull a surprise and land Zach Evans? You know, if that's the case, that takes one less competition out for Gibbs. You know, what, where does things go? Who has numbers? Uh, and, I, you know, I think Florida will be fine. I think they'll land one of those two guys. Uh, Gibbs is going to come on campus the 24th. It looks like Henry Paris will probably come on campus the 24th as well, January. So, I, you know, I, I know Florida's not the, the pick right now for either one of those guys, but I, I think Florida will, will land one of those guys there. And like I said, they do have Jalen White in the background if they need him. But I, I think they land one of Gibbs and Paris. And right now, I think I would put my put my money a little bit on Gibbs being that guy. Interesting. Um, all right, so let's get to wide receiver. Uh, it looks like Florida's, you know, l- trending strongly for Sam Brown, uh, the former UCF commit. Uh, where does Florida go from here? Uh, it, it seems to me like, despite the fact that Florida had one of the more prolific passing offenses this year, they they seem to be missing on their targets at, at wide receiver. What do you think's going on there? And then, you know, ultimately, where does Florida go on Wednesday? And then, where do we take that into the next couple months? Yeah, I mean, that's probably the the one biggest, you know, head scratcher of the year. I mean, you know, when you look at what Florida had, they had six guys with over 20 receptions this year. That's unheard of, you know, in, in college football. And to, to see what they did with the, you know, as bad as they were in the rushing game, you see what they did in the passing game. And it got the ball to a lot of receivers. I mean, when you look, look back at the senior day, Josh Hammond, Freddie Swain, and um, Van Jefferson all had touchdowns in that game. So it, it's crazy to see how bad they're struggling. And, uh, you know, I think a little bit of that is on Billy Gonzalez. Billy's kind of went back a little bit as a recruiter, but you know, also you got two guys in Quavion Frazier and Leonard Manuel. If both of those guys were to qualify, I think you got two good players there. But Florida's went all in on Xavier Henderson and just doesn't look like that'll be the case that they land him, but they went all in on him. Looks like they're gonna, you know, come a little short there. Malik Keith was the Juco receiver commit uh to Mississippi State. It looks like he'll probably stay closer to home, so they're gonna end up with a guy like Sam Brown. And, you know, while I think Sam Brown's a little bit of an unknown, I think he's a, a, a pretty decent prospect. You know, I told someone on Gator Country, is he an all-SEC player year one? Probably not. Uh, is he a guy that can mm-hmm. be productive? Yeah, I think so. A uh, very raw guy. Only played two years of ball, and that looks like the guy Florida will land. To me, it would be interesting to see if they go after another guy in January. You know, they're losing mm-hmm. so many guys. If a guy like Trayvon Grimes goes pro, I think they have to go for another guy. Yeah, and, and not only that, I, I have some some question marks, and it seems like a lot of these guys that, that Billy Gonzalez and the staff are going after these these big full body guys, your six two six three guys. It doesn't seem like Florida's going after a lot of slot guys. Is that something that you think that Florida's going to, you know, try to potentially look at in January, or you know, just based on the the signings of, of last class and then this class, it seems like there seems to be a glaring hole there as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, I, and I, you know, I, I kind of had thought for a while 
they would go after one of those speedster kind of guys. And, you know, they, they were looking at Finley Graham to, to potentially play receiver. Now he's going to play DB. Uh, you know, Marcus Fleming was the guy they were looking at for a little bit that I thought was a slot guy. They had a few guys that were on the board, but they just never really pushed for it. And, that, and that's kind of the biggest question is, that, you know, after Kadarius Tony, where are you going for your slot receiver? I don't know if there's an answer right now on this team outside of Deontay Marks. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me to see Florida go after someone like that in January, but I'm kind of one of those guys that says the last few years kind of says that they're not going to, that they're trying to get bigger at the position. So that'll be something I think we have to kind of really see to believe that they're going to go after a speedster. Hey, with, with so many DBs in this class, I mean, it's like seven or eight of them. Do you, you think Finley Graham gets a look at, at slot? Me and me and Amad talk behind the scenes. I think he's so explosive with the ball in his hands. You think that's an option? I think you have to. You know, I, I, and I'm, I, this is no disrespect to Finley Graham. I think he, he could play that nickel back. But a guy like Finley Graham, would you rather have the ball in his hands or would you rather have him trying to go tackle somebody? For me, I'd rather have the ball in his hands because he's a lot like Kadarius Tony, where he can make a guy miss and he'll be gone in, in a heartbeat. I mean, heck, that's the reason he popped up on the recruiting scene was what he did in the state championship a year ago with, with returning the ball. Uh, a lot like Brandon James used to do back in the day. So I, he wouldn't shot me at all. I, me personally, I think Finley Graham is the guy that could easily flip over there and, and be a guy that could play there. And, you know, maybe he doesn't stay there long term, but, I, you know, if you're trying to get him on the field year one, why not try to get him the ball at slot? What do you think, um, if, if anything changes in the offseason, what do you think Dan Mullen does in the offseason to, to, to pep up the recruiting and the, and, and the offensive skill position? Do you think there are any changes? You know, everything tells me no. You know, Greg Knox is his guy. Billy Gonzalez is his guy. You know, I, I only guy that on the offense is really not his guy is Larry Scott. And, you know, I, I think Larry Scott has, you know, interviewed some places, and, and maybe that was a – a situation where I could have upgraded a little bit, but I just don't see him making any changes. I think Dan Mullen, and this is not a bad thing, but Dan Mullen's a little hard-headed in that he sees, hey, we won 10 games back-to-back years with the possibility of 111. Why would I change it? So I think Dan Mullen's a little bit of those guys of if it's not broke, why fix it? So I'm leaning towards no changes, but you know I, I could see an upgrade. I mean, even at running back, maybe even potentially tied in, you want one of those positions to be a dynamic recruiter and right now it's kind of failing a little bit mm-hmm. well it's disappointing because i know there's a lot of talk of uh of scott being kind of that, that ace on the trail but we'll see um spubby do you want to talk to you uh, you know florida was able to get uh, you know some commits over the last uh, few days including uh two flips one from tennessee and one from georgia uh let's break them down uh josh braun decommitted from florida uh after sam Pittman, the offensive line coach at georgia went to be head coach at arkansas uh, he ends up committing to Florida really by just showing up on campus the first day. Behind the scenes, how did Florida continue that conversation, and then ultimately what led him uh, back to or, over to Florida? Yeah, I mean, you know, his his dad's a big offensive line guy, and he continued to talk to John Hevesy a little bit. Um, but I, I think ultimately, if Sam Pittman doesn't leave Georgia, he he ends up at Georgia and. As soon as he left, I think that really opened the door and made it kind of easy for Florida uh, to to swoop in and steal it there because just simple fact that his dad is 
really close with the offensive line coaches. They love John Hevesy, but they, they thought Sam Pittman was a little better offensive line developer than John Hevesy was, and that's why they were going to go with Pittman. But, you know, I think credit there to Hevesy for continuing to stay there and, and be in position to jump on the ball as soon as it happened. And he was the first one there, and, and he was able to land that and land that pretty quick. And, you know, the Browns weren't, I, I guess, very keen on Matt Luke and, and his ability to get offensive linemen to the league, and that really helped Florida. And, you know, I think that'll end up being one of the bigger steals for Florida this year. Uh, Josh Brown's probably the only offensive lineman in this class that's really ready to play and could potentially play year one. I think the rest of those guys are probably needing a red shirt at least. Perfect. And then I'm just going to go through. Well, and then the, you had uh, you had Mordecai McDaniel flip from from Tennessee to to Florida. What the next day on uh, the same day. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about him. That's a name that, you know, some folks, you know, had had heard about. But, uh, you know, we were just waiting. It seemed like a cat and mouse game where, you know, I, I think people thought that he was going to commit for a while and then never did. So talk to us a little bit about his recruitment and then ultimately how he ended up in Florida. I think he'll be best known for the whole tweet about it's 24 hours is all you can use an edit for. <laughs> but no, it's uh, you know he's a, he's a speedster. He uh, won uh, won the 60 meters uh, up in track up in Washington D.C. and uh, a very physical DB. You know, and, and I I think he picked he, he definitely picked Tennessee because it was a little closer to home, and he bought into what Jeremy Pruitt was saying. But you know, the credit here to Ron English, we you know we all give a little slack and, and, you know, flack and everything else to Ron English for his ability, but he really stayed on the ball. There were Mordecai and, and kept him in the loop about what was going on and, and explained that, listen, there's some playing time at safety for Florida and really stayed on that. And, you know, I think the back and forth for about two to three weeks now of when he was going to flip was out there and he finally flipped. But I think the biggest thing for, for me with Mordecai is Florida really hadn't had a safety that I think can just flat out, go chase somebody down if they need to and, and be that kind of center fielder. And that's exactly what I think Mordecai can do and play that free safety and just really be that last, you know, line of defense for Florida. It wouldn't su- surprise me at all if Mordecai was a guy that could get in some early playing time next year. I, I think a lot of Mordecai. Interesting. Cool. Uh, and then two other guys that have committed in December, uh, Jalen Lee, uh, guy that, that left the LSU class, committed to Florida. What can Florida expect out of, uh, out of Jalen? I think Ed Ordron is going to kick himself losing Jalen Lee. And I think there was mm-hmm. a couple guys in that class that, that could have easily been moved away um, and, and should have probably been moved away ahead of Jalen Lee. I think Jalen Lee's a really, really good prospect that's going to play inside. And, you know, I was telling someone, you know, I, you look at this defensive line class and defensive tackle in particular, you know, there's really about four guys who could potentially end up getting in that rotation next year. When you talk about him, you talk about Gervin Dexter, um, you even talk about Johnny Brown and, and if they land Tim Smith, all four of those guys could really get in there and play a lot. I, I think the biggest thing for me with Jalen Lee is he has that ability to stay in on all four downs. He's not going to have to come out on a pass rush and, he, and he's going to be really, really good in the run game. So, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is credit to David Turner there because even when they went down and played LSU, he stopped by his game. And at that time, Lee was all LSU at the time. And Turner continued to recruit him, and you know it ultimately paid off. And I, you know, again, I, I can't believe LSU let him walk out the door because he's a big time talent. Absolutely. And then the final one in December uh, was kind of a twofer uh, in that you grabbed uh, him and um, him and his brother. 
uh, with with Ethan Pouncey uh, committing to Florida, you know, four-star defensive back, and then his brother Jordan Pouncey, who I, I believe was also a uh, a four-star wide receiver from Texas. Uh, of the DBs that Florida has committed, Jahari Rogers, Ethan Pouncey, uh, you know, there's a few others. Um, is Ethan Pouncey, where, where do you put him in that list, and do you see him as a guy that could potentially get playing time next year? I think Pouncey may be one or two on that list, and I know Torian Gray, you know, that that DB list was was very long. You know, you had Jarquez Robinson that was still wanting to get into the class a little bit, and, and the only guy that could commit this late in the process was Ethan Pouncey, and that's how much Torian Gray um, respected him and, and fought him. I think Pouncey may be, you know, the guy that can get in and play early. I think he has that potential, like a like a Gary Elam this year that can get in there and play and play a lot. I, I think the biggest thing for Pouncey is is not only can he flip those hits and run with guys, but he's a physical guy as well. I, I just think that when you're looking at a cornerback, Ethan Pouncey's probably that guy. You know, I think Avery Helm probably has to bulk up a little bit. He missed some time due to that ACL surgery um, that he came back midway through the year. Jahari Rogers was a quarterback most of his career, so he's still got a little bit of development to go. And, um, you know, you, you look continue to look down that list. Trevez Johnson uh, um, is a guy that I think can play, but I think he's more of a star slash safety. Uh, Rashad Torrance is the same way. He's more of a safety. So I think Pouncey He's the guy who could probably play the earliest uh, for Florida and probably contribute the most. Perfect, perfect. All right, Spivey, we're going to do a, a kind of a quick rundown of you know some of the guys that Florida's in the mix for for, for both Wednesday and for for uh, the first week in February. Um, but I want you to put kind of the odds that they that they're going to commit to Florida, um, and if not, uh, you have to put it on record where you think they're going to go uh, elsewhere. So we'll start with uh, with Sam Brown. I like Florida about eighty twenty over West Virginia right now. Once he once he came on campus, I thought that was pretty much done. Okay. What about Xavier Henderson? I would say it's probably about 70, 30, 60, 40 Clemson. Um, and the biggest thing is he's not going to sign early. So even though he's going to commit okay. at the uh, All American game, Florida has a shot. Okay. All right. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he was on campus a couple weeks ago. I think, uh, you know, I don't think this is going to happen. But what about Morvin Joseph? Uh, that's, that's FSU. FSU or Tennessee. Okay. I, yes. Florida's not even sending him a LOI. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, very good. Very good. Uh, hey, Spivey, what's Perry. the uh, rules for this? Oh, uh, oh go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go, no ahead. go ahead. All right, let's Henry just run Parrish. through a few more. Uh, Henry Parrish. Uh, I, I I like Florida a little bit there, but it's so long to go. I'm going to say it's about 50-50 okay. Florida in Florida State. I think Florida State's going to slide in and grab Paris. Just a weird feeling. Silt may know okay. more about and, that than I did. And then the final, the final about two. Par- the two I don't know ones. a lot about Paris. I'm be like, I can't. I'm not putting no percentage on anything that Knox is recruiting right now. So you got me. <laughs> <laughs> Right he now, needs to every time I start liking somebody, uh, yeah, every time I start liking somebody, they commit somewhere else. I mean, okay, I got time. The batting average is zero. <laughs> break up. Just say they're going elsewhere, and you'll be okay. Oh man, this is what That's rolling a with. Terrible so. feeling, man. All right, two more, Spivey. Uh, Donnell Harris. Silk so, talked to me about this earlier today, and we went back and forth. I was all A and M this morning. Uh, but I, I'm liking the Gators. I hear the parents uh, wanting closer to home. 
So I'm, I'm going with Silk here, who told me earlier today he thought it was going to be Florida. Hey, man, you have everybody in my DMs. Why are you can't be doing that, man? <laughs> I'll be lying to people. You heard it here first, stuff, man. You heard it here first. Uh, if you want to, if you want to know the inside scoop, just hold six. Uh, yeah, you, you hit up Silk right there. Oh, Silk man, I've been lying all day. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Hey, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Ryan Bryant if, if, twin if, right there. <laughs> nah, bro, don't give me that. Play video games and all. <laughs> My dad ain't got no beach house respond. in Destin, dog. My dad ain't got no beach house in Destin. He just lives in. Yeah, none of that, bro. <laughs> Hey, what's the rules this week, Bobby? <laughs> what's what's the rules this week as far as contact, dead period, how that works? Yeah, I mean, you can contact them uh, and, you know, text and, and, and everything like that. It's just no off-campus uh, visit, so the coaches can stay in contact with them and uh, and do everything except for go to their home unless you're Alabama. Yeah, they can do phone calls and texts. Okay, cool. If they're Alabama, then, you know, they slide the GAs and the white vans to pick these kids up. Mm-hmm. Hey, man. Coming out back, ball. All, all alleged, man. I think Nick Saban listened to the show, man. He's trying to see what's up with Tim Smith, so we got to be careful. So all this is alleged. I'm going <laughs> to shut down, bro. And then, Spot, Spot, <laughs> where, where, where do you think Tim Smith ends up? I, I've stuck with it for the longest time, and I'm sticking with it now. I think it's Florida. Bama's too worried. Nick Saban, you guys know, when Nick Saban gets worried, he's worried for a reason. He's worried here. It, it just it, There's too many things. The kid's been on campus in Gainesville more times than he's ever been on campus in Tuscaloosa. He's talking about relationships. He has the best relationship with David Turner. I may get stuck in the face on this one, but I, I, I'm still sticking with Florida. Let's go. I, I got it. I got it. I got another question, Spivey. Um, David Turner seems to be turning out a really, really, really good class at defensive line. You know, depending on how they they end up with with Clyde Pinder, he's another one uh, that if you want to give your odds on, you can too. So, but him, Tim Smith, uh, you know, Donnell Harris, and so you are. Well, I guess he's an outside linebacker, but re- regardless, you know, adding with Gervin Dexter and some of these other guys on, on that line, what is it about David Turner that's attracting these players to play for him? I'll be the first to say, you know, when, when he came in, Texas A&M folks and, and other folks were very down on his recruiting. They, they thought he had gotten to the point where he, you know, wasn't able to recruit at a high level anymore. But I think the biggest thing with David Turner is he's a straight shooter with these guys. And, you know, when you have the resume he has of, of some of those guys, Miles Garrett and those kind of guys, you're able to recruit well. And I think that, I think that is what resonates well with these kids. And that he's just a straight shooter. Uh, and that's the biggest thing. Like Donnell Harris is – been quoted as saying that. Gervin Dexter has been quoted as saying that. They're straight shooters. And, you know, I'll take a step further. What he's done to, to keep Gervin Dexter committed in this class, that needs to be talked about a ton. I mean, Gervin Dexter has been, had Georgia begging at his doorstep for months to visit. Well, what yeah, are Dave Turner, to yeah, yeah, Dave, Dave Turner can have all my, um, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know how it go. But, yeah, Dave Turner can get your hypothetical hose, yeah. Yeah, my hypothetical hoes. I got to clear that up. I can't just be saying that recklessly no more. <laughs> I, I think it's a oh, good man. class. You know, we. I think this defensive line. You know, and, and I. I think I, I'm the. I think I agree with most people here when they say the defensive tackle position this year was down for the most part. But if you get some of these monsters that he's likely to land, I mean, you go from a defensive line that struggled to a defensive line that's full of some grown men. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Uh, Spivey, um, talk to us about, you know, maybe a player or two that, that doesn't get talked much about uh, in this recruiting cycle uh, that, that you're pretty high on. Yeah, I'll give you one on offense, and then I'll give you one on defense. Quavion Frazier is the guy. I, I don't know – you know why people don't talk about him a ton i guess it's because he's been committed and pretty much committed so long yeah yeah you know and and you look at what he did i was pulling this up today and it kind of caught me off guard but he only had 31 receptions for his team because he was double and triple team still ended up with over 700 yards receiving and 12 touchdowns and Mm. you know not only what he did but he did it against some good competition um i'm very big on him i think you know when you look at this receiver class and what's on the board at receiver right now he's a guy that probably plays early and, and plays early you know pretty quick and then defensively i you know i this guy does get talked about, but I don't think he gets talked about enough, and that's Derek Wingo. When you talk about what FCC linebackers are supposed to look like, that's what he's supposed to look like. And, you know, I, I know everyone says, well, you know, he's been committed and he should be a five-star. I don't care if he's a five-star or four-star. That's what you want out of FCC linebackers. Derek Wingo is going to play three years in Florida, and he's going to be in the league. Very good. Very good. Things I like to hear. Um, Spivey. We appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. We'll uh, we'll, we'll catch you after, uh, maybe after National Signing Day or right before National Signing Day, go through everything. But uh, before you leave, plug where we can find and read all your stuff and and follow you for uh, for Wednesday shenanigans. Yeah, at GatorCountry.com, we'll have it all. We'll have signing profiles and all that. And then at Andrew Spivey GC on Twitter. So if you're not in Silk's DMs, get in mine. We'll, we'll share some info. Yeah, hop in here. I'm sitting here. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate you guys. You guys have a good week. Hey, we All appreciate right, it, buddy. Andrew Spivey. We got some good recruiting talk in, man. I'm excited yeah, man. about Wednesday, man. I think we'll have we got some this is an important class. If they close high, like I was looking mm-hmm. like it's gonna close. This is a national championship caliber talent. Recruiting class, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I mean, I mean, if they can, if they can use the portal to their advantage, like they did last year, and maybe grab a wide receiver or two correct. to fill some of these gaps. Where I know there's already some discussions uh, about some of the guys that are that have just entered the portal. Uh, but you know, if they can close with some of those guys, use them like a Van Jefferson or Trayvon Grimes, then you can fill those gaps. Obviously, recruiting has changed a bit because the portal is a little bit more active than it used to be with players transferring. But again, you have to get to a position where you're not just relying on guys that are looking to leave their school to fill in these gaps. You've got to be able to to grasp and harness these guys early, uh, just because yeah, that's how you build these these longstanding championship rosters. So, yeah, and uh, speaking of the portal, Josh, I'm sorry, Jayshon Corbin, Texas A&M, uh, Florida kid. I know there's some interest there from his side. Uh, we'll see if there's some interest mm-hmm. from my side. I don't know what's the time frame on that. But that's a guy to look out for uh, in the running back yeah. room. Yeah, and I know that, uh, you know, not on uh, not on, on running back, but on wide receiver. I know there's some discussion potentially about uh, about Justin Shorter from Penn State. Uh, Tariq Black, who uh, looked at Florida a couple years ago before going to Michigan. I know he just put his name in the portal. So there's definitely some talent that's out there. But on the, like I said, on the flip side of that, you can't just always rely – that there's going to be a, a you know that next guy or two or three that are available. Uh, you've got to be able to harness that that quickly. And, and when you only have, 
or pardon me, when you have a, a team that, like I said earlier, has one of the more you know prolific you know offensive passing offenses in the country, there should be no reason why you're getting constantly turned down by by some of the better wide receivers in the country. So once again, y'all y'all got to pull up uh, Wednesday. We downtown Orlando, public house. The vibes is gonna be big. Um, Ahmad, word of the week, bro. What you got for us? All right, man. Word of the week is green, man. Green. 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 So there's a few. If you use it in a sentence, I'll be able to tell you. But I know green can be marijuana. I know green can be money. I know green can be envy. Um, those are my those are my three guesses. Man, I don't fool with dude. He green. Mm. <laughs> He's shady. Okay. You know right. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm there. I'm close. Uh, yeah. yeah, shady. He's kind of might be it. He flow. Yeah, he's shady. He, he's I'm still that. pretty good on these guys recently. Yeah, you got to keep an eye on that guy. You know uh, what I mean? Hey, do do they use any other colors? Like, is like red? Like that guy's uh-huh. a cool dude that I want to be around, or is it just just the just green? Now you're overthinking green. this. I'm over yeah. there. Right. There's no color coding system. Because I was wondering what you guys like, thought of me. You had us the first half. Aquamarine. What? had us the first half. It's like that one video of that high school kid, right? Yep. I'm not going to lie. They had us in the first half. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go, man. That is in the box. All right, Ahmad. Well, well, since you uh, you got that question out of the way, or that uh, the word of the week, uh, we'll we'll jump into the, the quick deep dive of thirty five. As always, sponsored by our boy Sean Gibson over at Gibson Diving Detail, uh, Broward, Miami Dade, and Palm Beach County. Anything related to your boat, uh, I think that Sean does gift cards and stuff like that. So if you're down there, you know somebody that has a boat. Uh, needs to get it clean, do whatever. Definitely give Sean a call. Uh, that's something that he can do. Give him a call. Again, Sean Gibson, 352-514-1486. Um, not in South Florida. Still give him a call. He's got connections all over the place. So definitely give Sean a call. All right, Ahmad, your, your deep dive with 35 question is, that always comes from Patreon. Ahmad, would you change anything about your recruiting process? Um, is there anything that you wish you would have done or could have done or anything that you did do that you wish you wouldn't have done? Um, so from the day I committed to Florida, I always knew I was going to go to Florida. So it wasn't no, it wasn't no hopping around or nothing like that. But the only thing I wish I could have did better was, uh, or differently, I'm sorry, was to, uh, go on different visits. And I was talking about that today, actually. I only went on one official visit. Oh man. And we talked about that earlier, uh, you know, kind of how like, um, Clemson is with, with, the, with their recruits and don't like them taking visits. Well, that's how urban was kind of, you know, yeah. Uh, he he kind of shot us away from taking visits. So I wish I took more official visits. I, I guess this is a good question for both of you. Ahmad, what visits would you have taken if you could pick any place uh, to, to go visit? And then soak you after. Um, I, got, I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to uh, – I remember one time when I was getting recruited, um, it was an overthrown ball. I was doing one-on-ones at high school. I went to go get the ball from the fence. And I look up, and then and 
Coach Tressel standing right there with the sweater vest on. So I'm like, man, this is like this man out here to see me, you know. Uh, I think I was one of the only guys on the team that they offered. I'm not sure. I think me and the D tackle. Um, but I'm like, damn, that's super cool. So uh, I probably would have took a trip to Ohio State. What about you? Uh, Anywhere what? else? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would, oh, all right. I would have went there. Uh, I was getting recruited by LSU. That's what I originally was going to commit to. Uh, probably LSU. Uh, couldn't think of any other. That, them, them was like the, the people I talked to the most. And Clemson with Coach Rump. That's how I got back to Florida. Okay. So if anybody, you know, wondered how I came back to school, um, that was kind of the deal. Uh, Coach Rump actually wrote me and was, and was like, hey, you know, um, have you finished school? And I was like, oh, well, not really, but I got, you know, a little bit left. And he, he was like, well, we got a plan for you to finish school and, you know, come help us coach. So. That's how me and that's how I got back to UF up here in, in Gainesville, because Coach Rump. That's, that's awesome, man. Coach Rump, uh, yeah, Clemson, back in the day. <clears throat> that's awesome. Silk, where would you go? Do you go anywhere? Oh, we play a fantasy recruiting. Okay, okay. Cool. Yeah, fantasy um, recruiting. Well, I mean, we know you're an All American, so you could you had your pick of any school in the country. So. Yeah, I won't tell you about my real life shit, bro. You might try to do some research on me um, and, and try to figure out, figure out how I got, became an All-American, Dan. Um, playing fantasy recruiting, I go to Texas for show. Um, USC. I like L.A. so much. I may do USC and UCLA, you know, just to be, just go, just go, to, go out there twice. Um, so that's yeah. three. Um, go Arizona for four. And then, of course, mm-hmm. you know, of course, I got to come. Title Town. Got to do Title Town. That's mine. Mm. That's mine. What's, what's your five, Dan? Wyoming know. you? Yeah, Wyoming you. Uh, I heard yeah, the all slap I, out there, bro. All, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I, that, that's why I got the name Wyoming Bagman. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I would go to some, some play. I mean, knowing what I know now, I would love to go see – uh, like a game at Georgia, um, and I'd love to commit to Georgia and then, um, you know, fool them on the uh, on national. I heard the Athens nice. I heard I've I've heard that's that's what that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Of course, of course, course I would be single at the time, right? So uh, I would go to I would go you to can Georgia. hear things while you're married. Then it's okay yeah. to hear things while you're married. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let's, uh, see, uh, let's see where else I would go. I definitely. <laughs> Definitely go to uh, to Ohio State. My dad went to Ohio State. I think that would be cool to see uh, to, to go check that out. Um, nice. You mentioned Texas. Texas To me, I, having been to Texas, is a very quick aside. I don't know if I would have loved going to school in a big city like Austin. It's just a, a different college feel. Uh, but definitely would have loved to go out to like Arizona State. I've heard some great things uh, about Arizona State. And then, I don't know, go to a school like uh, – oh, gosh, I don't even know. I think I would just take those. I should take those three or four and, um, you know, like I said, just troll Georgia on national signing. Maybe troll Tennessee, too. Um, you know, no, I don't know. take that visit. Sure. Tennessee, yeah, Knoxville's whack, but, you know, I don't know. Got to get the troll game in. I don't know. Maybe pick something super obscure like a Wake Forest. Or, I'm not wearing no yellow shit. Yeah, I just don't <laughs> want to put on yellow, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, who wears I don't want to put on yellow. Just yeah. tagging. Do I? It's cool because I, you know, my first job out of college, I got to work, you know, in consulting at higher ed. So I got to go to a lot of these colleges around the country. Uh, and having gone to UF and compared UF to a lot of these other schools, man, we're we're, we're lucky and blessed that that school's, you know, our choice. There's a lot of 
there's a lot of rinky dink schools out there and a lot of weird places out there. So it's always, it's always good to, to remember the Gainesville's home for us. So. Already before we get out of here, man, I got to make sure y'all go visit the great folks at Gator kicks, get your customized shirts. We got the Gator shorts. I got a whole little outfit, outfit and ensemble that I'm about to break out during this Christmas break, man. Um, I'm going to be pretty fresh. I'm going to let you see the pictures, all right? Make sure you like it. So uh, check out the people. <laughs> check out the good people at Gator Kicks, man. They just did some customized J's for somebody on, on, on Twitter. They got all type of gators and, and, and whatnot on it, man. So they got the, the website, the, thegatorkicks.com, Instagram, the Gator Kicks, also on Twitter, the Gator Kicks. Who got the song this week? It's got It's got to be me. I mean – it was probably me last week, and I wasn't here. Oh yeah, you weren't here. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, man, really caught off guard knowing that it was me. Um, <laughs> can you yeah, imagine but... for like five weeks? I was like, all right, well, the next song's me, and then I didn't even think about. <laughs> I didn't even think about it once. Um, let's see here. Um, Oh gosh, I don't know. All right, there's a uh, there's a band I've been listening to recently. Guys, you probably never heard of him. You guys probably won't like him. Probably three quarters of this podcast will turn it off before the song starts playing. Uh, but there's a really good band called uh, Town Mountain out there, and they were oh. called Down Low. So yeah, Town Mountain, ter- Down Low. That's a terrible introduction to a song. I'll tell you that, bro. Nobody. You know, I'll tell you a lot of people don't give me the benefit of the doubt, and then every once in a while you have somebody. That's well, like, you hey, talk. Look, you talk the them into though. the doubt, bro. <laughs> Yo, I got this song. I'm pretty sure y'all ain't gonna fuck with it. It's kind of shitty, you know what I'm saying? But, uh... <laughs> it's pretty that good. Oh but... no, no, no! The, the, the song slaps just you know differently than you know Trick Daddy. Yes, yeah. hey, slap is, is is all you know. what I'm saying hey, we're, we're just slapping yeah, the man. steel guitar, you know. <laughs> let's ru- let's go, Cam. Take us out. Take us out with this honky tonk. <laughs> All right. Same coming next week? Already. Already. So I can move along Is it just because they're friendly Or the fact that I am gone Stepping over lines Of the paths they travel on Living on the high side Better keep it on the low
get to be 